Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, another change is introduced to Canada's vaccine guidelines. At this time, we are pausing the use of AstraZeneca vaccine to adults under 55 years of age pending further risk-benefit analysis. The Prime Minister says China must address concerns over allegations of genocide. Working with our allies around the world to move forward on sanctions and uh, unconcerted, uh, collaborated, coordinated uh, approaches to really make the point that uh, our concerns about what's going on there are significant and need to be responded to by the Chinese government. And Aaron O'Toole says the Conservatives will have a climate change platform in time for the next election. Well, recent party convention, you know, has not been well understood by many people. We've had climate change provisions in our statement of policy principles for many years. In fact, we've run uh, two elections now with a clear commitment to fighting climate change. I'm taking this to the next level because it's a priority for me. It's Tuesday, March the 30th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Mark. Let's talk about vaccines because this is obviously uh, an area of considerable concern and focus for Canadians and for politicians. Um, And the news that the AstraZeneca vaccine has been suspended for people under 55, I know will will cause a lot of consternation. Uh, and, And there's the issue of the vaccines themselves, but it also raises questions about the information and about the safety of vaccines. It introduces the idea that there may be issues and that's not what public health officials wanted. They wanted a smooth rollout. They wanted uh, the uh, a consistent message and uh, that's that's not going to happen and there will be consequences of that, won't there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, it, the, the uh, public health officers uh, in Canada have come up with sort of a cute way of... Um, of describing where we're at by by talking about team variant and team vaccine in this race this spring and yesterday was definitely a day for team variant to be winning because and team vaccine to be slipping up a bit uh you're right all of the issues you identified about astrazeneca are massive several interesting things about AstraZeneca, the the news about AstraZeneca. For a while there, it was a worry to older people. And now we're hearing, well, it's okay for older people, but it's not okay for younger people, which, as you say, is going to confuse people altogether. Um, People will be saying and doing the vaccine kind of shopping, saying, I'm not taking that thing until I can get Pfizer or Moderna or the Johnson & Johnson one. So we've got vaccine shopping. We've got vaccine hesitancy. People will just be saying, wait a minute, I'm watching as what bad news am I going to hear next about the vaccine? And even though we've talked about this before, people are basically witnessing science in real time. So you're seeing results coming in. There have been no blood clots in Canada, for example. People are paying attention to all of this, and we need a lot of people to be vaccinated. The the interesting thing about the age thing is that this third wave, when I look at the charts, by the way, I see a, we seem to be in a fourth wave, but Mm. um, 
This third wave is hitting young people. The, the consistent theme running through the news, all of it bad yesterday, was that, that the next wave of of COVID is getting the demographic that was felt itself largely immune. Uh, you saw the BC Premier saying young people are feeding this. Now we've got the AstraZeneca vaccine hitting younger people worse than older people. So the, this cruel COVID coronavirus is, is actually hitting, uh, its unpredictability is now sort of splashing across the demographic, demographic population. Yeah. For a while, COVID was the biggest threat to older people, and now it's a bigger one to younger people. So, yeah, on that dreary note begins another week in pandemic land. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that the issue around the AstraZeneca vaccine is uh, is about very rare instances of blood clots in certain people, and there's they're demonstrating an abundance of caution here, but it 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 is a step they're taking, and, and it, it, it does have the consequences around the lack of consistency in the message because we're dealing with this issue live rather than uh, having had years to prepare for it. So those are the dynamics. Yeah, and, um, you know, all the research has shown, you know, it, it, we, we live in an age of influencers, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of research being done, again, science in real time, social science, though, in real time, but... Who do you believe? Everybody knows that, you know, because Justin Trudeau or Doug Ford tell you the vaccine is safe, people are not generally going to believe that. But what they have pretty much had faith in is the public health officers. And the more the conflicting messages from the public health officials, the more confused and scared people are going to be. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Canada's fractured relationship with China. Yesterday, a Chinese diplomat in uh, Brazil uh, was very critical of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, describing him as a running dog of the United States, calling him a boy. Um, what does this represent in this in this ongoing situation with China? Of course, uh, that, that has to do with the Chinese treatment of the Uyghur people and Canada participating in an inter- in in an international response to that, and of course, as well, the detention of two Canadians in China related to everyone believes the 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 uh, arrest of Meng Wanzhou. Well, you could say it's another symptom or another bit of evidence about the the escalating tone you've seen from Canada over the last few weeks. Every week, it seems the government, our government here takes a tougher line and is willing to say things and call out China in a way that it wasn't even months ago. Uh, internationally, I think it is, again, we've talked about this, is this is Canada feeling a little bolder because it has the United States has its back now on this, that, that Joe Biden, and, and you've seen the international community rallying around. Domestically, it's an interesting development that Trudeau is getting singled out because a a very consistent line from the Conservatives in the House of Commons and from Aaron O'Toole in particular is that Justin Trudeau hasn't been tough enough on China, that he, uh, he, he sort of lulled himself into 
believing that that Canada could be nice and cooperative with this country that and that we're paying the price for it. That's the the, the larger story arc that the Conservatives have been playing with China and it it, it it oddly enough to be called a running dog and a boy by China uh, actually bolsters Trudeau's claims when he answers those charges that he has been tough on them. So uh, in a way, I, I, I'm reluctant to put the, uh, those, the, the two detained Canadians, the two Michaels in the context of politics, because I think this is, a matter that's almost too important for politics. These these are lives, and the, the same with the, the the Uyghurs and the the treatment of the Muslim minority in China. These are human issues, not political issues. But there is a, a domestic political component to this that uh, is going to play out in also in unpredictable ways. Mm. All right, let's talk about the, the issue of climate change, uh, carbon pricing, and the conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole, who has been dealing with this since the conservative convention of a week and a half ago, um, uh, which was followed, of course, by the Supreme Court ruling on carbon pricing, a commitment from O'Toole to uh, to scrap the carbon tax. Uh, he's now saying that he will have a policy about climate change before the next federal election campaign, uh, which could be really any time now. Um, so... What are you hearing about that? What what approach might Aaron O'Toole take, and will this be the end of of this issue uh, be, being a bit of an albatross for Aaron O'Toole? I don't think so. I, I noticed over the weekend that the uh, Liberals have now are, are fundraising, selling T-shirts saying climate change is real, which tells you that the Liberals are enjoying this and are determined to make this a a ballot box issue. Uh, the, the the court ruling was important in again in in substantial and also political ways. It it looked yesterday from what Premier Ford was saying that he was not going he was going to all the provinces are going to have to reluctantly go along with this carbon pricing scheme, and that leaves Aaron O'Toole saying that he's going to ban uh, or or scrap something that the provinces have implemented. We're, we're not seeing solidarity between the provinces or, a co- let's just say, coordination between the Conservative provinces and Aaron O'Toole. So people are going to be looking for that in whatever plan he makes. What can he do that puts him on the side of a Jason Kenney and a Doug Ford uh, in a larger sense? And also credibly, with the people who didn't vote Conservative in the last election because they didn't have a climate plan. That is a tall order. I would not want to be the Conservative officials right now who are, as you said, uh, under a bit of a deadline. I still don't believe there's going to be a spring election, by the way. I think the variant and the third wave is making that more unlikely. But I I do think that Aaron O'Toole, somewhere behind the scenes, if there is a a policy shop, they are working overtime right now to um, to come up with something that is trying to thread a needle between the provinces, between the Liberals, and between this big uh, mass of voters that they want, but they haven't yet been able to attract in two elections. Mm. All right. Let's see what the next week brings. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. 
This conflicting advice is highly concerning, given the fact that thousands of Canadians in this age group have already received the vaccine. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues constantly changing guidelines are undermining public trust in vaccines. The Star writes, No doubt the experts are trying to find the right balance amid a welter of new data. But the hard reality is that constantly changing guidelines around AstraZeneca and all the talk of possible severe side effects, however rare, are shaking public confidence in all vaccines and at the worst possible time. The third wave is upon us, and we actually do need the public to get their shots as soon as they're eligible. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues, Canada's chief public health officer must be replaced. Martin writes, The unwritten conclusion of the Auditor General's report into how the public health agency botched early pandemic detection is obvious. Replace Dr. Teresa Tam. That might sound harsh, but there's no sugarcoating blame for the slow early detection and erroneous risk assessment of COVID-19 in Canada, as extensively documented in a report last week by the Auditor General. In an editorial, the Globe and Mail argues inaction by the federal government will mean higher housing prices. The Globe writes, When the last housing wildfire hit, governments brought in new taxes and rules that made it tougher to qualify for a mortgage. The dangers look worse now than four years ago. Yet there has been silence from all levels of government. This is a time to be bold. In the coming months, the economy is going to gain strength and the number of new immigrants is going to shoot back up. That means that not only are today's housing price problems unlikely to fix themselves, they may get worse. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will tour a City of Ottawa community vaccination clinic before holding a news conference to speak about the COVID-19 situation, along with Public Services Minister Anita Anand and federal health officials. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will speak at a Burnaby Board of Trade event. Green Party leader Annamie Paul will make an announcement and hold a news conference to speak about post-secondary education. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan will take part in a virtual forest sector announcement. Health Minister Patty Haidu will announce federal support for the Windsor, Ontario region. Justice Minister David Lametti will make a virtual funding announcement. Small Business Minister Mary Ng will take part in a conversation with the Director General of Groupe de Cathalon on the second day of Canada's virtual trade mission to France. She will also lead a fireside chat with business leaders and Economic Development Minister Melanie Jolie and Labour Minister Philomena Tassi will make a virtual announcement in Hamilton, Ontario. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March 30th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.